So the Inner Light. Yes, I've been excited for this episode. This is another one of those episodes. This is Paul Goodness's favorite episode. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is So this is one of the... See, I don't know because I remember... I always feel like I've seen this episode and I'm sure I have. But right. it's more I remember my dad talking about it. Like, And I knew the, I knew the entire plot of this episode. Sure. Um, it's not a very heavy plot episode, obviously. So, again, I'm not sure if I've seen it before or if I just, you know, remember the concept of it. But it's a great episode. Well, of course it is. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's probably... I mean, it's definitely one of the top ten episodes of the show. And it's... You know, it's funny because it made me think of the Survivors all the way back from season three. Um, Which one was that again? That was the one with uh, the, the the old couple on the planet that had been destroyed. Okay, the, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I forget what the, the alien race was. I remember but, that where he was the, yeah. And so it's it's kind of like, it's interesting because it's not something that the next generation does that often where they sort of have this complete sort of uh, uh, mystery ending, right? And And of course, I think you kind of get a sense of what's going on towards the episode. But, you know, of course, I'm talking about the end where suddenly all the dead people come back and they reveal yeah. that it's all been a, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. simulation and Picard is actually still on the bridge and all that kind of stuff, which is what we knew already. Yeah. Um, I, and I'm, but, yeah. No, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I'm, I've, one of the things I was w- thinking about with this episode is I wonder if what the episode would be like if they didn't, because they cut to the en- bridge of the Enterprise and what's going on and, it, I wonder what the episode would have been like if it had just entirely been from Picard's perspective. I mean, they they use the cuts very well. Like, usually they cut when they're, you know, five years later, ten years later in the Picard uh, simulation. And I'm not sure how they could have done that a little less clumsily. I mean, but, you know, it works very elegantly that way. But I wonder what the episode would have felt like without that. Cut. Well, that's that's the thing, and I think that's a good point. I'm glad you brought it up because it's something I wanted to talk about. Is that you know I love this episode, and I probably watch it at least once a year, and it's great. But I don't really, you know, I'm, I'm watching Star Trek in a different way for the podcast yes. because I'm watching it with a very critical eye. And this this episode particularly stood out to me because a couple things I noticed about it that I had perhaps never noticed before, which is that number one, I think you need the scenes on the bridge, right? Because yeah. The episode, if if you hadn't had the scenes on the bridge and it had been entirely from Picard's perspective, the point of the episode would have been changed, I think. And it would have become less an episode about let's watch Picard go through this experience and more what is going on? Is he going to get out of this? You know what I mean? Like, so having that having that objective view of what's going on and revealing it to the audience very quickly, I think, was was a smart choice. Um, because frankly, the power of the episode is just about watching Picard go down another road and, and yeah. getting to see him do all the things that we're probably not going to see him actually do. And then, of course, the other thing about the bridge scenes is that they do act as a nice filler between jump, you know, time jumps yeah. in, in the simulation. And I don't think there would have been a good way to do that otherwise. Yeah. And I also it's not like there was I mean. You could watch scenes on this planet all day. They could, you know, there there is are so many rabbit holes they could have gone through, sure. But I think the amount that we do see is enough to characterize what this planet is like. Like, in other words, uh, while there's plenty more, you know, I'd love to see what their, you know, equivalent of Christmas is. I'd love to see what, right. you know, like, what the little girl going to school is. Like, you know, there's things that it would be interesting to see, but we don't need to. And so, yeah, it would feel like a very bloated episode if we didn't have this cutting in a way yeah absolutely i think so and i think the other funny thing about the episode is that 
you know, it is an episode about this planet. And it's an episode about telling us what these people were like and what their civilization yeah. was like. But it's also an episode about Picard. And it's oh, an yes. episode about his sort of, you know, Picard has chosen one path in life. And Picard will, will most likely never have a family. Yes. Uh, Picard will most likely never live on a planet full time maybe when he's like you know 120 years old or but something. he'll still but... be doing starfleet stuff till the day he dies and you know that like that's the thing he's never going to be able to retire and right. just go into the grape business you know well, that's that's number one he but picard is not Picard. Doesn't... i don't think picard is 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 cut out to be retired no he's certainly not and there is no matter what picard is going to know that his duties to starfleet are more important, you know, while he he is very aware that his life has involved a lot of sacrifice, he is not, I don't think he minds that, I don't think he regrets this, but this is the one opportunity that gives him permission yeah. to just sit back and relax, even though he, do, you know, and in a way he's given, you know, several gifts from this, but the one is he does have that life, he does have that alternative, you know, future in a way, and I, I, I mean, now we can talk about the... You know, is a simulated reality still reality? Does he did he still get that life? I mean, right. he, he did get that life, as far as I'm concerned. And I, I think this is one of those rare opportunities that he does get to have his cake and eat it too, in a way. Yeah, well, I think you know, I think there's a couple things there. Number one, I, I kind of think you know, we haven't compared Picard to Kirk in a while, but I think, and obviously, they're very different people and they're very different captains. Yeah, but I think, in a sense, what you see in this episode is. The, the fact is that Picard is a scientist and Picard, that's what I like about the episode is that it really reveals, yeah. it reveals something about Starfleet and it reveals something about what Starfleet and the Federation values, which is that Picard is not a military person. You know, Picard is a scientist mm. and if he had not joined Starfleet, he would have been a scientist. Yeah. I mean, he is a scientist, right? In some respects, but this episode really goes so far as to say he is a born scientist. I mean, I th which I think yeah. is interesting. I think about uh, the one where he goes back to meet his brother. That's essentially the he takes this exact life as well over yeah. there. He's doing little sciency things for the neighborhood there, and you know he's going to be given. Assume you know the jobs are going to be equivalent. He will well, find they, a they, you know they, he would find a local woman and have a kid with her, and that would be his life. That old friend of his wanted him to 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 be the the administrator for that Atlantis project. Yeah, which obviously, is very scientific. Um, you can tell that we're not scientists because I just said something was very scientific. <laughs> um, and in a way, aren't they opposite scientists? Because as a scientist, he's trying to figure out how to return water to this planet, oh. and the Atlantis project is turning water into land. Whoa! Yeah, did Whoa. I blow your mind? You did. Yeah. Well, actually, I think it's funny, and I do want to talk about family and 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 best of both worlds because I think there is an interesting link here. But um, at least at least thematically, not not an actual link because yeah. of course th there were no Borg in this episode. And I think oh maybe this episode would have been really good if there were some Borg in it at the end, like if it was the Borg that captured the oh, no. yeah. Now that would have been way too dark. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but I, I I want to pick up on that thing about Picard being re retired because what's interesting about this episode is that we kind of get to see him be retired yeah. in a way, and what retirement looks like to Picard is 
you know, going out in the forest and getting soil samples and looking in a telescope and coming up with crazy ideas about atmospheric condensers and all kinds of stuff. I mean, he's pretty good at being retired. He becomes a pillar of his community. He becomes the kind of people that he becomes someone who has a lot of friends and family and who is very well loved. I mean, that's about as. And I think, yeah. And I think in a way it's kind of a sad episode because. You know, Picard is always going to be a starship captain. Mm -hmm. I think Picard is going to be a starship captain as long as possible in the same way that Kirk was a starship captain as long as possible. You know, they tried to bump they tried to bump Kirk up to Admiral and it didn't stick. I think he's not good at it. He's a man of action. And I think what's kind of sad about it is that Picard is not going to get we see what Picard would be like if he was. uh, uh, Given another opportunity or sort of given a chance to do something else. And it's kind of sad that I don't think he's ever going to get that opportunity. I don't. You see, I don't know. It's interesting because this comes from a. I, I'm approaching this episode from almost a Zen perspective and from a psychedelic experience perspective and all of those kind of things. And this is an unreal experience which has some real consequences for him. Yeah. I mean, this is a very. It, even though this is the equivalent of a dream, it's an extremely powerful dream. This is an experience that he's never going to walk away from. You right. know, he's going to remember that. I mean, he is going to have his love for this, you know, his family and this woman for the rest of his life, I think. Yeah. I don't think that's a fake emotion that was created in him. Um, and he is going to be missing these people. Um, I mean, this episode is a memento mori in a lot of ways. It doesn't really... I mean, by the end, we haven't talked about stakes in a while. This episode as it turns out, has no stakes. The only danger that Picard is in is when, you know, they're removing the beam. You know, all they have to do is wait a half hour and everything will be fine, you know? It makes me think that maybe they should have maybe, like, said that. You know, like the second beam that was just like, hey, guys, this will be over in 25 minutes, so just chill out. Yeah, no, I know. Then We're not doing anything bad, so (laughs) just calm down. I don't know why the... Yeah, I was like, I have have some... I mean, obviously, I have some issues with the way the robe goes, but but they, they, that all besides the point. Um, you know, this, you got you got to cut them some slack. I mean, you know, yeah, this civilization doesn't die because you know, for a while, you think the administrator is going to be evil or you know unhelpful, and no, he's actually fine. Like right. he's 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 doing the best he can. He knows that the planet is just going to die, not and not because of evil aliens or politics or just because. It's its time. Everything does die. Planets die. Yeah. And, you know, this episode is about wondering what can live on and how does a civilization, how does a person manage to – this This series has been talking about death a lot lately. Yeah. And about how to live – how to have a good death and how to have a meaningful death. Um, And this episode is very much about – I, I mean, if if this episode has a theme, and it obviously does, it's that, you know, the way one lives after death is by passing oneself on to other people. Yeah. It's the relationships that, you know, and this is all very, you know, hippie-huggy Star Trek stuff, but it's a very, I mean, it, it, it's a good message. It's presented very well. I mean, there's a reason this is a classic. That's a nice thing to remember. Well, the, yeah, I know. I think that's a really good point, and—, and- the thing that I think that's making me realize is that, you know, this is not the kind of thing that 99% of television shows could ever get away with doing. You know, I mean, this is just a very, very nice episode. Yeah, it's is, a slice I mean, of life on another I always, planet. I always cry twice. 
in the episode. What points? I, I cry when his wife comes back, and I cry at the very end when he's playing the flute. Yeah. Always. Always without oh, yeah. fail. I mean, not like bawling. No, no, you get that tear. I tear yeah. up a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's a very powerful episode, and I think that's, you know, that 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 motif of the flute um, is also something that I think really is, is kind of a hook for the episode as oh, well. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's kind of, you know, this civilization doesn't really matter, right? Like, uh, in, yeah. in the episode, it's kind of a... The, the civilization itself is kind of a MacGuffin. You know, it's it's the reason for the episode, and it's the reason why we yeah. get to see Picard in a different atmosphere and a different life. But, you know, and certainly it's, it's, it's well-constructed and it's interesting and everybody is very nice. And, you know, you kind of do feel a sadness for these people, and you especially towards the end when, you know, things are obviously extremely yeah. bad <laughs> and they can't go outside without goofy hats and, and lots of sunscreen. Yeah, um, I was gonna say. I mean, I, li- I I like that idea that these terrible hats become most fashionable because of the need for the, the screen from the sun. Like that's what would happen. Yeah, but it's not like we get any say. Like if if we were to write down the qualities of this this culture, we wouldn't have many. There's a little bit of a religious ceremony that's like a baptism, right. but. You know, that's just read as a baptism with a couple of, you know, with a different script. I mean, you know, there are, it's just any generic small farming community, small town community that we've seen in Star Trek, you know, that there are on Earth to this day, but in a way that makes it more universal because, and one of the reasons this story does, this episode does have so much power is because just, it's a generic community in a way being lost. Yeah. And... I mean, it's the kind of thing where the civil... Yes, in the galactic sense, the civilization doesn't matter. It's flamed out. Nobody... This is the only record of its existence at this point. And yet, you know, it does matter very much because, again, what one leaves behind is one's relationships and what what is done. And, you know, it's a cliche of well it mattered to those people well that's that's kind of the thing that i'm talking about is yeah you know i don't i'm not saying it doesn't matter no and i know what you're saying sense of like that's a bad thing i think it's a good thing you know this this is really an episode about wanting to be heard and wanting to be remembered and you know the the whole ethos of star trek and the whole sort of point of star trek is to go out i mean it's right there in the the opening credits you know seek out new life and new civilizations you know boldly go where no one has gone before hell it's in the series name yeah well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, very literally. And so what I like about this is that, you know, this is another one of those seeking episodes where Picard gets to experience something that that no one alive has experienced. And it's not there's nothing bad about it. It's no. just this is a this is a civilization. These are a group of people that wanted somebody to remember them. And they did that and they did it. They, I mean, they succeeded, obviously. They found the right person, yeah. And there's no ulterior motive here. There's no... I don't think there's any malice involved. It's just... It's very... It's that sort of very, very universal idea that we all want to be connected and listened to and heard yeah. in some way. And make a... Again, make a mark after our deaths. Right. Right. Because what, you know, what really... What really works in the episode and sort of the turning point is... You know, because it, it, it's 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 interesting because you know when it first starts, of course, you know you have to go through the 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 sort of oh well, am I a captive? What's going on? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Why yeah. are you having me here? Like blah blah blah. 
And then the next scene that takes place on the planet is five years later. And, and Picard is sort of, uh, uh, acquiesced to this and he's yeah. like, all right, well, this is my life now. Um, and I don't know that you ever really get a sense that he has forgotten who he is, but it's five years. I mean, it takes a long time for him to get over this. Yeah. But once he does, he's fully invested in it. And he sort of just the the episode really starts to get good when he when Picard opens himself to the possibilities that this world, you know, really provides. Yeah. See, it's interesting. And in in a way, I mean I there are degrees to which the episode logically falls apart particularly in how do they have the technology to create this probe and yet they're not spacefaring how do they you know all of that why is the program self-terminating at the end like you think that they would make this perpetual so that way you know and all those kind of things and yet again the episode takes on almost i i'm finding the episode has very universal and symbolic connotations yeah no absolutely i mean that's that's the thing about star trek i think that a lot of people miss is that a lot of this you know if you view a lot of this logically it makes absolutely no sense yeah this isn't a literal story right it's it's a again it's a this is this is probably the most metaphorical this 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 particular series has got it yeah it's um again this is very much a story of less about a civilization than it is again about passing on right Um, I mean, I think about one of the things I keep thinking about that I haven't been able to figure out, like the meaning of, is the pendant that the wife has and the space and the probe are the same exact symbol. Yeah, I don't know what that means. It's a it's a very I mean, it's lovely. It's a very nice connection between the two. It's a cool looking symbol. Right. It's a, I mean, it could just simply be that. But this episode is full of things like that. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you're right. I think maybe it doesn't mean anything. Maybe yeah. it's just there to to indicate to Picard where he is and what he's doing. But you know. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's... I mean, I could see a lesser show again, which was interested in confusing the two, you know, and is this real or not, you know, where is really... You know, I could see one using it for that reason. Yeah. But that's not what... Again, that's not this episode's interest. Yeah, no, I think so. You almost wonder if there was then a... If that's a remnant of an earlier draft of the episode where it was a little more sinister or a little more blurred. I don't know. I don't know if... I don't know. I don't know if the 90s were... A lot. See, a lot of where I'm coming from this episode, I'm also thinking about that episode of Buffy where she's in the mental institution. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and basically what happens is she – at the beginning of the episode, she gets attacked by a demon who's having her hallucinate. But it's going between her, you know, everyone trying to fix – you know, figure that out. And again, she's in a mental institution and, and she's had these delusions that she's this vampire slayer. And it's – the episode is very deliberately ambiguous as to whether, you know, she's really been attacked by a demon or – the more likely one that she's crazy. She's crazy. She's, yeah. yeah. Um, that's not where this episode is th- and thinking of going though. And yeah. And I don't, and, and, and like we started the conversation off, I, I don't think that that's the episode that, that, that this guy wanted to tell. I, I forget his name. I, I've met him actually. I feel really bad. Wow. Uh, uh, he goes to conventions. He like makes the flutes now. Oh, um, that's adorable. <laughs> and also there's a comic book um, sequel to this episode, which I've never read because I can't imagine it's very good, but Maybe it is. I don't know. But I just feel like... I, I mean, if only... That, the only of... way it could be a good sequel is, again, if they... I mean, I, again, I could see a, oh, well, we wrote a comic book and here's just some more slices of life of what daily life... You know, yeah. that would be fine. Right. Like, again, it's... I'm not looking for a big story, but it's just kind of cool to explore. Or right. dealing with the ramifications and suddenly Picard's doing a lot of fluta. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. He and Data form a band. <laughs> And Jordy just stands there and glares. Um, 
Jordy glares a lot. We just don't see it. I was going to say, how could you tell? I can tell. I'm just that good. <laughs> His yeah, visor no. glows red when he's angry. <laughs> that was that would have been such a terrible idea. I'm glad you didn't work on the show. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, what I think is that I don't want to see that. And I don't want to see Star Trek ever do that. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's starting to make me realize that that one of the reasons why Star Trek perhaps got less good or less profound or less interesting, you know, in, in the later in the later shows is that there was a bit of cynicism creeping into it. And there was, you know, and we can definitely talk about this when we talk about, you know, Star Trek Voyager and Star Trek Enterprise, um, that a lot of the wonder was gone. And, you know, for all of its faults and for all of its, you know, problems, the next generation is, is, is a, is profoundly a show that is optimistic about the future and optimistic yeah. about humanity and the meaning of life and all of these things. I mean, and, even, yeah, you know, this is another episode where, uh, I don't know if I don't know if this really is the kind of thing that I want to I don't know if this is really the kind of episode that um would would work nowadays and frankly I think that's kind of sad. Yeah, I get me. I mean, you say cynicism. Yeah, like even when the next generation has shown scenes where and even original series where a good solution was impossible where no matter what decision was made, someone had to lose something, you know, or, you know, we have two irreconcilable things and we right. really can't, you know, they, they've had that, you know, that's the death of Spock. That is the death of Edith Keeler. That is, you know, and yet it doesn't, I couldn't say that either of them were cynical. I can't say that, you know, it's the kind of thing which says that, you know, unsolvable problems do exist. Sometimes, you're going to be too late or you're not going to be able to make the right decision or you're going to make a mistake. Even Picard can make a mistake. He has because he's Yeah, because he's human. Yeah. And the thing – the reason it never turns cynical is because I think this series does realize that the, everybody's heart is in the right place. Everyone is just trying to do what they think is right and frankly does more good than harm yeah. in the long run. Yeah. No, I think that's true. I think that's true. And I think you can kind of clearly see that in kind of the big uh, elephant in the room about this episode, which is, of course, that Picard would be profoundly changed by this experience. Oh, yes. And maybe possibly even psychologically damaged by it. I don't know if and, damaged is the right word. Well, think about this. I mean, if you if you take this episode on at face value, right, Picard lives on this planet for... 30 years 35 years of experiential real time yes 35 which he by the the flute implies that he keeps that knowledge right and so then he wakes up and obviously when he wakes up at the end of the episode he's extremely confused um i don't know i think that there would be some problems here and i think that you know Maybe not damaged, but he certainly would have a hard time readjusting. Well, and I don't think he would be going back to work right away. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, certainly. And, and, and similarly, I think, you know, because when I, when I mentioned when we were talking about family and talking about best of both worlds, that's a similar thing. Yeah. I mean, certainly not to the degree that this is. And this is certainly a much more pleasant experience than, than becoming a Borg was. But, you know, you know, Picard has had these experiences in the past that I think, you know, the show kind of grapples with and kind of doesn't. Um, but then again, I'm not interested in the show grappling with it yeah, because yeah, yeah, it's not yeah. that kind of show. And I mean, like, 
again, I've heard people tell psychedelic stories that are similar to this. I knew this – I met one girl at a party who said she had had a salvia trip, which – and she imagined that she was living this life among these, like, dwarfy – and she t- it was this really crazy story I heard yeah. when I was 24. But the point is she – subjectively had an experience which to her lasted years and years and was only about 15 20 minutes of real time um which is literally what happens in this episode which is why it reminds me of that and so um i almost feel like yes he would be changed by this incident but not scarred i mean i think he is particularly with counselor troy he is healthy enough to be able to put this in its proper context but i think he's able to take the right lessons from this one i mean yeah obviously and i i think that the show yeah, is not going to go down the road of, of having him you know bursting into tears at the thought of his dead wife but, no uh, yeah and i i don't i, de- I definitely don't want to use that as a, a as a criticism of the episode because i don't think that that's the point of the show but i but, think i think i would say that it can be a it's part of the strength of this show yeah. i would say because you can have a again a modern show which was so episode which was very arc based, very serialized would have to spend a lot of time dealing with the fact. I mean, again, the fact we haven't dealt with the Borg from week to week, even though in real life we probably would. Right? They are allowed to downplay certain things just to tell a good story, and I think I like that. No, I like it too, and I think that that's that's something that I think we've lost. You know, frankly, yeah. and 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 you know, I don't know. If this kind of episode would would work on the vast majority of television being made nowadays, and I think that's a real shame. Yeah, you know, I mean, and it makes me sort of nervous about what a, 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 a modern Star Trek show would be if there was a new one on the air. You know, it's it's a little alarming. I don't know what it would be, and and uh, yeah, like if they it would you would I think you would lose a lot, and you would lose this kind of thing. I would like if they were to make I like again. If we you and I have talked just you know off air and just thought of obviously like oh what's our dream star trek show you know if we could create it and i do like i i I like the idea of next gen when it's a bit more calling back to earlier episodes and when it has when it certainly you know recognizes that earlier episodes happen but is still fairly episodic in that you can just pick up any episode you know yeah my roommate's been watching walking dead lately and i've been you know like sitting in and like looking and but it's like i don't know who these characters are i don't know what the hell is going on i don't know why any of this is and i don't really want to sit down and watch episode to episode of every and show and i mean and i mean frankly the walking dead i think is probably the 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 complete and total opposite of the next generation in every respect oh yeah um so that's kind of interesting. Yeah. You know, I would not recommend that you watch The Walking Dead. No, like I saw an episode with him and it was fine for what it was. I also did, you know, because, and it's an interesting way that characterization does happen because while we are long past the point in Next Gen of recharacterizing the characters every single episode, we haven't done that in a long time, but yeah. I don't know, the characters are a little... You know who everyone is by the midpoint of an episode, in a way. Yeah. And. Well, and this, in a sense, kind of gets to recharacterize Picard. Yeah. You know, because I like seeing Picard as a father. You yeah. Know, I like seeing Picard as a husband it, it, and a friend. I mean, in a different context, someone who's not in control. Yeah, but at the same time, he is the same Picard, in a way. Like, he's he's a, maybe a softer, a civilian Picard, a right. family man Picard, but he is still recognizably Picard. Oh, you know? absolutely, if, yeah. If, if there were a way for Riker and Troy and everybody to visit Cayman, they would know him exactly. Aren't they? <gasps> Ooh. 
Well, we'll find out in next week's episode. I mean, I I kind of feel like I mean I don't know that you can really say that they're different people at that point. Yeah, no, that's that's you know that's true. Yeah, and now here's one of my questions: Is was Cayman a real person that they, or is he just like were were all these people real people that know. he's reliving, or is he just? You know, is it just they created a generic identity? I, I it doesn't really matter. That's the thing. I don't think it matters. You know, and I think if, if the episode was too literal, I think it would lose a lot of its power yeah. and beauty. You oh, know? of course. All of these kind of questions, you know, how how can they launch this probe when they don't have... Yeah, again, the very... The, the end when... The, oh, it's it self-terminated and we found a flute and he plays. Like, and... Like, that makes no literal sense whatsoever. Like, that that that, that that's totally illogical. And yet, it's such a... Again, you you said it makes you cry every time. Yeah, it's a very – it's the kind of episode that goes beyond literal into this realm of almost pure metaphor. Yeah, and it's, that, that's exactly it. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a metaphorical dream episode that reveals something about who we are as people and who Picard is and all this kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, were these people actually real? Um, did all these things actually happen just the way that they happened? You know, who knows? And frankly, it doesn't matter. You know what, yeah. what's, what's important and what we're left with is, you know, Picard is left with a, with a, with a, an experience that has profoundly changed him and, you know, or perhaps not profoundly changed him, but, but profoundly affected him is probably yeah. a better way to put it. And, and that, we have learned something about ourselves as well. Yeah. And it may, I think, you know, watching this episode, you know, I'm always struck by the fact that, that I think about, you know, friends and family that I know yeah. and that, you know, you kind of think about, well, who would remember me if I died, you know? And, yeah. and I think that that's really sort of the, the nice thing about the episode and what is really most affecting and most valuable about it. Yeah. Oh, I feel really fuzzy now. Okay. Eric, I'll remember you when you die. Thank you. You're welcome. I wish I could say the same thing. Well, because you're dying before I do, yeah. so you won't be able I won't. To. I won't remember you. Well, I'll give this episode a full nine flutes. Yeah, I'm glad you did flutes. It's ten, obviously. Yeah, duh! Come on. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about uh, another episode. Times Arrow? Times Arrow. Okay, so here's the thing, like... Like, well, I was watching this, I'm like, there's, we're going to have nothing to talk about. Because, partially because well, there's it's, lots to talk well, about. Well, I mean, it's part one of a two-part thing, so there's, like, in terms of plot, I can speculate about some stuff, certainly. But this is a weird episode. Okay, so... A really weird episode. I was... I figured this out. I think Time's Arrow is very strange as well. Yeah. And I think I finally figured out why. This is a Doctor Who episode. Okay. Like, I don't think you've ever really seen any Doctor uh, Who. I've an episode here and there. I was, I don't but, like but it. But the whole thing about Doctor Who is that it's usually, I mean, well, not usually, but a lot of times it's on Earth. He's a time traveler, so it's in the yeah. past. Aliens are affecting Earth in some way in the past. Maybe you'll get to see Da Vinci. Maybe you'll get to see, you know, Machiavelli. Who the yeah, fuck? Yeah, you know, yeah. Whatever. And and this is what this is. I mean, it's, it's it's pick a historical period, pick an evil alien, and mix the t- and put your hands together, and that's a Doctor Who episode, right? Like you know, Samuel Clemens is in it. Okay, oh, why God. not? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Data gets to pal around with you know the funny bellboy. I mean, it's just, and then you've got aliens that are doing something to old men. I mean, it's just, it feels like an episode of Doctor Who. It doesn't feel tonally like Star Trek much at all, and. 
I don't think it's bad. No, I was never bored in this episode. I, you know, I, I don't think I necessarily liked it, but every scene had something really interesting happening in it, or different, or that I haven't seen in the series, even if it was just Guinan in a really fucking awesome dress. Like it, it just feels insane. Yeah, like, I, I, you know, it's funny because I was, I was, you know, um, um, I was reading that they didn't intend originally to end the fifth season on a cliffhanger, you know, because Michael Pillar didn't want to do it. Because I think he didn't have a good idea. They've for done, them, and they did two other ones. You know, I mean, the, two, three, three. No, best of both worlds and redemption. That's oh, it. reunification wasn't a season. No, okay. Remember that was just in the middle. In of the, the middle. Season. Okay, yeah. I, I thought that was a okay. No, uh, you've forgotten already. Uh, that's okay though. Um, what I thought it was anyway. But yeah, so so that's number one i think that that sort of at this point i think okay well the third this is the third cliffhanger they've done so and this this is this is really the point where most season enders of star trek are cliffhangers and i think you know if they had not done this in the fifth season i think that perhaps that would not be the case i think this is really the point where that becomes ossified and that becomes a cliche of the franchise not that it's bad necessarily, well, but it's... the thing is with this episode, I'm naturally comparing it to Best of Both Worlds and uh, Redemption, and those were fantastic episodes. And they were, while the stakes may be equal in this episode, this is—I mean, not really. I, I mean, I don't. You know, I well, the, part of the thing is I don't know exactly what the aliens' plan is. Well, that's that's you get the I mean, you know it's... they're obviously stealing souls from certain people in back in time to eat, but I don't know what the consequences. <laughs> is that what they're doing? I guess. I mean, I don't know what they're. Uh, yeah, I don't know exactly what they're doing or what the consequences will be. Like if it turns out that they're going to eat Mark Twain and that'll make the Nazis win, you know, fifty years, you know, like then that's something. But. I can't tell how are they just you know is it just a few bums lives and data at stake right now I don't know I don't I don't I don't know either well I mean I do know but I'm pretending that I don't for your benefit Um, and so compare that to the Borg are attacking Earth and Captain Picard has been turned into Locutus or you know the Klingon Civil War is coming to a head and Worf's personal story is hitting its like those are big episodes this. This is the thing is like conceptually I have a problem with this episode because of the time travel and and it it's kind of inconsistent with the way that we've seen time travel in the show before and in the in the franchise because you know they make a lot of pronouncements about oh we discovered that aliens were on Earth five hundred years ago and what were they doing and the beginning and isn't a, isn't great no like, the beginning it, it isn't takes, great it, it's take, like, it stumbles out the gate it's like hey let's go show them their archaeological dig and here's a pair of glasses and I feel like it began like, yeah I feel like it began like an original series episode there, almost like that it had that tone in a way yeah it's very strange and I agree with you it, it does have a weird tone to it. Um, but, but my problem with it is that, you know, they kind of make all these big pronouncements about all these aliens and they were affecting the past and what were they doing here? And I don't know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, okay, but nothing has changed. So obviously they weren't doing much, you know, every other time that we've seen time travel happen, things have changed. You know, think about sitting on the edge of forever. Things were in danger of changing. Yeah. Well, like. I, I don't know. I would go so far as to say I don't. Okay. I can't think of a, a thing where they haven't changed. I mean, sitting on the edge of forever. I think is the first time travel episode or the second, and and the Enterprise disappears. Um, you know, you have uh, yesterday's Enterprise, which isn't really. It's kind of time travel, and that immediately changes. Yeah, it's okay, um, fair. You know, all of these things, and so 
I feel like yeah, the if, creation of Sela afterwards, right? So, so I feel like if this had been an actual problem, something would have happened to indicate that. And it's kind of like I just kind of feel like maybe they should have gone. Oh, all right, well, that's weird. Let's go to explore some more now. But I mean, to just, be fair, you know, it's not like they made a point to time travel it's not like they went to the guardian of whatever or they you know decide like it's not like they did anything active they were trying to investigate this mystery because why well, not, I'm not we even like, talking about the time travel aspects with data and stuff i'm talking I'm, about the aliens i mean like you know there's no indication that the aliens were time traveling and it's just kind of like what, yeah, what's, what's the what, who cares it was 500 years ago and i mean nothing seems to have really been affected so whatever like i don't know i guess it's just not that kind of show but to me, it's kind of like, all right, well, there's a mystery, and the answer doesn't seem to be very interesting, and also it doesn't make much sense. Like, I, I just it, it seems like a plot in search of some sort of reason for. I existing. mean, I guess that these aliens are tra- so these aliens are traveling back in time to a period of Earth's history where they assumedly won't be detected because if they went on Earth in San Francisco today, you know, obviously they would be caught in 15 minutes, you know, by because. The Federation is crawling everywhere, but I hope so. Yeah, but do this in the 1800s when you won't get caught, you know, because humans taste like caviar, you know, like that's. I mean, is is, is that what this plot is? Because I don't know. It's 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 remarkably contrived to get data in an 1850s costume. Yeah, like that. That's what the you know. Wh- Somewhat, you know, somebody said, and he said, oh, we need to have a season finale. We haven't done a costumer in a while, you know. Hey, we've got a bunch of, you know, we've got a set that looks like San Francisco in the late 1800s, you know, and someone has a Mark Twain costume. Well, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't, I mean, you know, you're, you're remarkably blasé about how they put these things together sometimes. But, you know, this was intentional. I mean, it wasn't like they had a set and they were like, let's use the set. No, I know. But um, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's there's... They, they, they made a conscious decision to use this. They made a conscious decision to put it in this time period. You know, whatever. It's fine. I mean... You, I get the sense that it's more that, oh, we, we I'd love to have an episode say, set in the late 1800s and creating the plot around that rather than it feeling... Na- you know what I mean? No, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And I there's think, almost two different episodes here. I think you... Yeah, I think so. I agree with that. And I think what you get is... What I think what you're saying and, and what I agree with is that they, they decided that it was going to be some sort of time travel in the past episode. They hit upon the time period that they wanted to use, you know, perhaps because I think they, they thought about using like the 1990s, but yeah. they kind of thought that Star Trek four had kind of done that already. So and they to and that episode where all of the people get unfrozen and they're all. Yeah. That's <laughs> oh God. Central zone. Um, but, but then of course, you know, then they sort of created the plot around that. Yeah. Which, I think that that's probably accurate. They could have done a better job, I think. Um, well, or, I mean, I think I it's know. fine. All of the eighteen hundred stuff I liked, though. That's the thing. Like, I think it it's a it's a gimmick to have Guinan and you know Mark Twain, you know, arguing and half insulting each I other. Just, but it was a fine gimmick. I just, you know, it's I'm remarkably not <laughs> impressed with that part of it. And, <laughs> Data's adventures with the bellboy and, you know, him in the poker game and all that. That's all great. That's all fine. It's funny. It's, it's a like, series of a little light. I mean, in a way, this is a series of light comedy set pieces mixed with an evil aliens plot. Yeah, there's no sense that Data is concerned about anything. Um, I don't even think we really know what he's building at this point. Uh, it, it, it reminds me a lot of, I don't know if this was intentional or not, but those scenes always remind me of Spock and City on the Yeah, th- I got the same building, exact. Building the interface to the tricorder. Uh, 
you know, so that's all fine and fun and good and the anvil bit and ha, it's, you know, but, but that's what, what we get instead is then data becomes an idiot and starts spouting off about starships and stuff in public in 1893. And oh, Mark Twain overhears it. Cause Mark Twain is a fucking jerk. And maybe he is, I don't know. <laughs> But but to me, it's just kind of like everything is contrived in the in the in the least imp- in the least probable way to get the worst result for everybody involved, and I just don't like that kind of plot. I mean, this comes this is pretty much what Assassin's Creed is. I know you've never played any of those games, but the, the plots are about like this: like, oh, we're going to travel back in time and meet Leonardo da Vinci for no reason. Okay, that's I, it's it's fine to watch, but and I guess these kind of episodes always remind me about. Uh, uh, I think it was an, an episode of This American Life I listened to years ago about historians saying that they would never go back to yeah. the past because it would be horrible. Mm-hmm. You know, like it would smell bad, and you would probably get a lot of diseases that would kill you. And it's just like you no, know, I would go back to the like early eighties, but that's about as far back as I would go. Basically, they all said like the furthest they would go back are like nineteen twenty. Yeah, like, they're like they have antibiotics. At least they have penicillin. Indoor, and that would only be to go like, to a couple of Gatsby parties and then you know hang out at a speakeasy and then go home. Like any uh, time in the past where there were no antibiotics and no anesthesia, nobody wants to go to. I think we romanticize this stuff too much. You know, they they make this sort of thing about about. I don't know if it's supposed to be played for comedy or whatever, but that thing about the cholera epidemic, and I'm like, what? Like yeah. that's not good. I mean, you know, so, <laughs> like wait, wait. So so now. <laughs> So now we have, like, the entire bridge crew of the Starship Enterprise in the past in San Francisco during a serious cholera epidemic. Well, obviously Dr. Well. Crusher has inoculated all of them. Maybe. I don't know. It's just like, what? And, you know, you're getting the entire bridge crew to ch- – like, that – I know they're all just like, well, you know, we're going to wave about the captain going down. But you're right. You do have every single senior officer right now in one place. And where they, they all go except for Worf. Yeah, like Worf gets sent back up to the ship because they're like, "Fuck you, Worf, get up there." Also, I mean, seriously, I mean, you couldn't have Worf go back to nineteenth century, you know, I, San yeah. Francisco because how could they explain that? But I don't know. They managed to get Guinan, and they're pretty fine before the free for civil rights. I don't know. Ah, uh, yeah, but you know, I've, San Francisco was. Yeah, I lo- I do like I like. Okay, so and I, I don't think I mean I don't think Samuel Clemens was a big racist. No, that's so, <laughs> yeah, fine. Um, I think it's funny that they they sort of characterize her as like a flighty teenager in a way because yeah. they're just like you know, or did my dad send you? Like she's obviously stole her dad's credit card. You know, said she was going to you know school, but now she's just like spending the money on vacation. Like, well, that that is. I'm glad you mentioned that because I that's one of the things I like about the episode and don't like about well, the we're episode. Finally, getting the beginnings of Guinan's backstory. It's implied. We are, will we or not? That's another thing, but. I will just say this to you. Don't get too excited. Uh, and see, that's, that's, that kind of sucks because, like, at least that would be a reason. Again, they've, they've teased this episode. You know, they've teased out Guinan's backstory. We know that, you know, her people were killed by the Borg, you know. But we also know that she and Picard have some kind of moment in their past that's, you know, the, extraordinarily important. And I thought we were going to finally see that. The entirety of Guinan and Picard's relationship is a magic trick, and we never they we never they never reveal what the magic trick is. Like they just don't. Um, Do you think it's because they didn't 
figure it out? I don't or think they... that they cared. And I don't think that it really matters that much. And I don't think that... I think whatever they could come up with doesn't... It, it wouldn't be satisfying. Do you of know course. What I mean? that's, and that's fair. What I, what, and that's the thing. Like I, I like Guinan. I like the acting job that Whoopi Goldberg does in this episode where she's obviously playing a much younger version yes. of, of Guinan. You know, and you can really see that and you can kind of get really get that across. Um, and she does a great job with that. Um, very subtly, I think. But... What I don't like about it is the 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 you know who 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 goo whatever you know in the beginning where it's like if you don't go with them you will never meet it's like what like I, this is why I don't like time travel it's just like what does that even mean huh, uh, uh, and I don't think they have an answer for it. it just bothers me yeah I mean is it that just uh, I half get the uh, uh, sense that you know. Hell, even if they made it that Guinan gets captured by these aliens and she's about to get eaten, but then Picard, you know, when, from sending back in time saves her, like, that would be fine. That's, that's, that's okay. That's a reason why he has to go back and they won't meet. And that would be a reason that the two of them have this deep bond and fine. And I mean, if that's what I, I'm expecting that kind of to be the next episode and I'm seeing the look you're giving me. So I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> I, just I just put your expectations on hold. Like you're not gonna this. You know. I mean, it's all fine. It's all fine. It's just there's there's a lack of. It's the kind of thing where I feel like if this hadn't been a season finale cliffhanger, I would like it a lot better. It would be fine. It it would be easier for them to do a gimmick episode like this if it were just a random episode. Right. Right. And 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 there are things about the second part of the episode that I like and there are things about the second part of the episode that I don't like. Um but we're not talking about that now because we have not watched it. Oh. What what I think is is kind of problematic about the episode is the character of Samuel Clemens because I know we mentioned it, but it really tonally just comes across again like it's a Doctor Who episode. Uh but also it it's it's one of those things that that scene with him in the parlor and Guinan and they're sort of verbally sparring, I just hate it. I mean, and that's I, what he and I, did. And I, that I, was and, his, like, Well, I know. Thing. He was an asshole. And, <laughs> and he's, he's a fine writer, and he was a wonderful American and human being. But, my God, I would not be able to be in a room with Mark Twain because, Jesus Christ, I would punch him in the face. Yeah. Uh, like, that just bothers me. It's just boring. And and we're just I just get this like self satisfied smugness that we're just we're just, the audience is supposed to be like so impressed. Well, with Mark obviously, Twain. who you know, like it, they put Mark Twain the way they'd use Shakespeare and Sherlock Holmes, which is no, obviously I know, I it's know. this random thing that for whatever reason the writers thing is the fucking best. Like whoever wrote this episode has read everything Mark Twain has written like seven times and just thinks he's the funniest person ever i wouldn't be surprised if most of the text of that speech was based on one of the actual speeches he gave like i it figures like that you know and yet you know i'm I'm not a fan of his like that that's that's a lot of the problem for me i well and i think that, that that there's there's a sort of you know he's kind of a character that i don't think really fits in star trek which is a sort of like roguish like you know I'm going to get away with things because well, I... Well, here's the thing. You know. I mean, part of the problem is Mark Twain was about one of the... And you're calling him Samuel Clemens. I'm calling him Twain. That's that's funny. Um, but 
he was about as cynical as you can get, particularly by the end. Yeah. Uh, yeah, know, well, this, he died this was, very bitter and sad. Well, this and, was towards the end of his life, right? Yeah. I mean, he died, what, like the, the first or second decade of the 20th century? I don't quite remember. Um, but I, if I remember correctly, he lost, I think, a daughter, and that just kind of broke him kind of thing. Wow, he died in 1968. Really? No. 1910. Okay, yeah, so we've... What, so this, this is, is, what, like 17 years before he died? The so 1880s, 1890s? This was 1893. Yeah. Pay attention, Richard. No. Yeah, no, I know what you mean, but but I, I just... It, this is my problem with it, is like, there's... The end of the episode has two cliffhangers. The one cliffhanger is everybody on the... Uh, you know, the crew of the Enterprise going through the gate, right? Yeah. That's the one cliffhanger. And the other cliffhanger is the conversation that... Mark Twain over here is between Guinan and, and, and Data, yeah. where Data's saying, hey, I'm a android from the future, and I'm on a starship, and you are on the starship in the 24th century, and starship, 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 yeah. future, future, android, hey! And Mark Twain is such a jerk and a rogue, and he's just like, I overheard you. <laughs> What's up, guy? Just, you know. Whatever sh- adventure you're on, I'm going to pal around now. I'm just I'm just that interesting that and I can get away with this. And and let me, what the fuck? Data would not be this stupid. <sighs> like, it's, he know, couldn't hear him coming close, you know what I mean? Like, also, he didn't notice Also, that. the whole thing is set up because Data says to Guinan, in the parlor where everybody can hear. No, it's a starship. What the fuck? <laughs> what is he thinking? He's not good. He was not programmed to infiltrate. I guess not, but he's programmed with like Starfleet rules and regulations. And I know. They must like teach a class on this. Like time travel happens enough that you need your officers to know not to go around and spout things like starship in the 19th century in front of mark twain i mean come on <laughs> what's he gonna do is he just gonna go oh, oh starship oh. here's the thing like now i know that while data and guinan and picard and everybody are fighting the evil aliens that mark twain's gonna be there quipping the entire time yeah yeah. Look, you have no idea, Richard. Like, like you, you, I, I know. Like, I, a lot of it is I can just imagine what the next episode is going to be. Well, I know, and and I, I, I we don't usually talk about sort of the 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 background stuff about how we actually put these episodes together and the schedule we're on. But um, I am leaving uh, on a on a trip um uh, next week, and so um this is going to be our last recording session for for three weeks, and Richard is not going to be able to see the end of the the, the two-parter i know um, i'm like on, aching for it for like three weeks so you're just gonna have to sit and you're gonna have to think about it and fantasize about everything that could go right and you might love times arrow part two and i'm gonna read like all of mark twain's ever. stuff in the next three weeks you should do that but i'm just telling you right now that whatever you have in your head is not what is happening in times arrow part two because times arrow part two is just a very special 45 minutes of television. You just don't even know what's going to happen. I, I can't even. You just, just just don't even try and speculate. I'm just going to. What I'm expecting is that all of these little things are they're going to find during the adventure. And that inspires him to write his stories. Like, 
you know, they the the evil aliens are called the Huck Finn race, and you know, then they they have like frog pets, and do then you, you know, um, do you not realize that um, Mark Twain already wrote all of that? Yes, but we have time travel on the table. So Eric. you think that they're going to at the very end, Mark Twain travels back in time to his younger self and says here, and gives him a copy of all of his books, and that's what happens. But then, how could he be Mark Twain if that he hadn't written those books yet? Because like, he... wouldn't he have just like, wouldn't he have been an old man? on a steamboat on the Mississippi and oh. he wouldn't even have been in that room and none of this would have happened. This is why I hate time travel. No, 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 no. Yeah, I no, no, no. Mark Twain in his, let's say he's in his sixties at this point. Cause I don't know how old he is. Uh, travels back to a 20 year old Mark Twain and says here on these years, send, submit these manuscripts to these people. Uh-huh. And, and that's, and that's slowly. So then he gets his fame that way. But what I'm saying is, how could Mark Twain be in that parlor, in that position, having high society people listen to him if he had not written the book? He did that- write the books. No, but at that point, he but would he makes not have it easier them. for himself to write the book. But he would not have written them. There at that is point. this is called so like a cyclically not, like twelve monkeys so time he would travel not right be now in that position in the first place. So how could he ever have done that? Listen, I don't really like him, and I don't really want to see what his character does in the next episode, so I'm okay if he's just an old man in the Mississippi right now. That's kind of what I want to happen. See, at the end of the episode, it undoes the episode, and we never have to watch them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm giving this episode a five. Uh, I just want to mention one other thing, <laughs> that um, the, the, the most... Uh, I don't know why this always cracks me up. But we haven't talked about Data's head also. Like, did you, like, what was that about? Like, well, let's just have Data's head in it. Whatever. Okay, it like, Data's uh, going to get exploded and his head is the only thing that remains. Well, no, I did the thing about, you know, Jordy and stuff. And it was kind of like, I don't know. There's a lot of, like, on it. I don't know if this stuff like was supposed he... to be funny, but it was just like, do you need to talk about it? Well, yeah, I do. I mean, like, this was just weird. Like, you know, Jordy gets to talk about it and Data gets to say, oh, well, I'm going to die and it puts continuity in my life and blah, blah, blah. And that's all nice. You know, like I said, the, the series is been talking about death and how to get a good death and various characters attitudes i mean i think about when you know Worf thinks geordi is dead he basically says like look i'm happy for him you know because he died bravely and doing you know and you know klingon ceremonies are celebrate you know or celebratory because you know they they're in a better place, you know, kind of thing Worf himself when he's confronted by his paralysis inner light you know all of those things like I'm not really interested. I, I don't know. Like, part of me, like, sort of cares about Data's views towards his own death. The fact that he is somebody who has managed to be very calm about it, who yeah. understands, you know, because for, you know, for everybody around Data, the, the concept of death is an answered question. You know, right. I'm going to die. You're going to die. Everybody listening to this is going to die after listening to this. And, um, you know, while, while, for- is this like a ring? Thing? <laughs> Ring, ring. It's truck about. Um, And, you know, for Data, Data does did not know he was going to die and now he does. And well, I think it's even more profound than that, which is that data didn't think he was ever going to die. And there's an, there's an idea that, I don't know, it's kind of, um, I don't think it's supposed to be dark and I don't think it's dark, it's, but I think that that's sort of an unacknowledged part of, of the human experience, which is that, um, this is all valuable and this is all meaningful because it will end at some point. And, and if so, if you're data and you don't think, you know, he's like, I, it's possible that I would never have died. And so if, yeah. if you think that you are effectively immortal and you don't know if you're ever going to die, then that would, 
would really color your experiences of what your life was like. I mean, he says, well, they, you know, I mean, it, isn't there, it Jordy who asks, like, aren't you going to miss everybody? And he says, well, I'll make new friends. Right. Like, and Jordy's wh- like, okay. Which is, in, in a way, does devalue the relationship he's made on the Enterprise, at least to... I mean... Yes and no, um, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's not that Data doesn't... won't miss the people on the Enterprise, right. but... but they are going to if he's thinking he's going to be living for several centuries more they're going to be one crew in hundreds of ships that he might serve on yeah and i also and i also think that that you know it it does color data's career a little bit as well because of course you know we sort of questioned this i think uh, a while ago when it was revealed that data you know you know graduated from the academy like i don't know 35 years ago or something and you know he's only a lieutenant commander at this point um that he just might be taking his sweet time. Yeah. Like, what does he care? You know, it's, I mean, you know, we, if, he, we, if he, if he makes it captain, you know, by like year hundred, he's doing good. Yeah. We found, I mean, we, we've seen instances in which he's, you know, again, he, he, when he graduated Starfleet, that was pre-measure of a man that way he was a novelty, you know, it's weird when now post-measure of a man, he asked, asked to command a starship right, and, uh, right. You know, he has that first officer who, you know, so yes, you do have part of him, him might, yeah, be biding his time until it's a more hospitable environment for, you know, a, an android captain. Yeah. Part of it uh, is implied that he just didn't think to ask or didn't think it, he had the right to ask yeah. or whatever, you know, and so is working up to that. But I don't know what, where this is leading to. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't think it matters. Yeah. Um, I don't think anything matters, Eric. This is just an illusion. I'm actually really a starship captain, and I'm living this life to see what life was like in Brooklyn and the early half of the 21st century. That's depressing, because this is a shitty, shitty life. Yes. Well, that's that's Brooklyn. I will give Time's Arrow... Uh, like a like, let's say a five, just a five, five oh, cholera epidemics, five cholera epidemics. Yeah, not cholera cases, but ep- epidemics. Yes, yeah, a- actual epidemics. Okay, what would you give it? I told you, I gave it five. I don't remember things. Well, I gave it five. All right. Well, next week we are uh, moving into the sixth season, or three weeks from of now of TNG. It felt like TNG was sort of moving along at a, at, a, at a pretty good pace, not too fast, not too slow. And then suddenly we're in season six and we've got 26 episodes of Trek about left. And then we'll and never then, record again until oh no, it's will. time for Deep Space Nine. Hey. Um, yeah, it's just it's weird. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. And, and I feel like I'm a little depressed because... Listen, Eric. I don't, you know, the, Eric, the best days of listen, TNG are kind of behind it now. Listen to the lesson of the inner light. Yes, all of this will go away someday. Uh-huh. But the things we've done and the people we've met and the relationships we've had with our fans, which they can get by either going to twitter.com slash trekaboutshow. Mm-hmm. You can go to trekaboutshow.com. You can go to facebook.com slash trekaboutshow. That's correct. Um, or you can, are there any other ways of contacting us? Uh, I mean, there are. Besides like nanoprobe beam. You can call me at 917. No, no. I'm not giving my phone number out. Um, Although that is my area code. Ooh. And so, you know, the relationships we have made with our fans during these TNG years are what have 
you know, would have meant something. And to all of you out there, we'd like to say good luck and Godspeed. Live long and prosper. I just wish you would have given us some money. That's all. I'm, I'm just putting that out there, guys and girls. Gals? I don't know. I know nothing about women. Go to truckaboutshow.com. Leave a comment. Let us know what you thought of this episode. And leave us a review on iTunes. Oh, yes, there's that one. Next week is Time's Arrow Part 2 and Realm of Fear. <laughs> I can't which wait. Is the return of a character that Richard does not like. Oh, my God, it's Lwaxana Troy. It is not Lwaxana Troy. Ah. We'll see you next week.